whatever, and, and, and let us know that you would like to participate in that. Heather will get you some information on that as well. So, this morning we're wrapping up our home improvement series. And uh, I want you to imagine with me that you're at a funeral. Um, imagine you're at a funeral and, and you're sitting there and, and you know, the, the, the casket is laid out and, and the individual is in there and, and they're getting ready to, to give the eulogy and, and the speech and, and the individual sits up, right? Imagine that funeral because that actually happened. A guy named Talahi George Sakwi, easy for me to say, of South Africa, decided that he was going to fake his own death because he wanted to see what people would actually say about him. He, he says, quote, I wanted to know what people say about me when I'm dead. I'm satisfied that they spoke the truth. So he says he's going to keep the coffin for his real funeral, um, which is going to come a lot quicker if he keeps pulling stunts like this. But uh, I, I want to talk about this morning, what are people going to say about you when you're gone, what's your legacy going to be? National Public Radio recently aired a segment um, where they talked about a, a uh, study a marketing expert had done, uh, a guy named Narian. He and his employees had examined 2,000 editorial, non-paid New York Times obituaries over a 20-month period between 2015 and 2016. What surprised them was that the most common word used in all of those obituaries was the word help or some form of the word help. Um, when you're analyzing 2,000 paragraphs of text, you wouldn't expect one or two words to, to pop up, but that word help or some form of it continually popped up in all of the accounts. Um, for example, Reverend Rick Curry, who helped veterans and disabled people by running writing and acting workshops. Jocelyn Cooper, who was a grassroots organizer in Brooklyn in the 1960s, and she helped pave the way for the first African-American woman to sit in Congress. Um, th there was more and more and more. Th people remembering, being remembered in terms of how they helped other people. Um, so what do you want written in your eulogy? What do you want people to say about you when you're gone? What do you want your legacy to be? See, we've been going through this home improvement idea that, that we're going to improve our house, not the physical house we live in, but our households. And part of that is, is thinking about how that house that we're building is going to stand the test of time. If we build it on God's blueprint, if we allow Jesus to be the home inspector, if, if we do the demo and tear down the things that are holding us back, what is going to be the legacy? How is that house going to stand the test of time? If you have your Bibles this morning, go ahead and turn to Joshua 23. Joshua 23. When we get to Joshua 23, it's the end of the book. Joshua is old, and, and he is uh, looking at the end of his life. He's contemplating what he's going to leave behind. And he gives this speech in chapter 23 and 24 to all the people of Israel. He wants them to hear. This is what he wants to leave with them. This is, if you will, his legacy. And, and, and his message is simple. First, God brought you here. You didn't bring yourself here. God brought you here. Every single promise that God made you was fulfilled. God brought you here here. 
anything he ever told you has come to pass. God is faithful and trustworthy. God brought you here. The second is that God fought this battle. You didn't overcome this people and, and, and take this land. God fought this battle. You didn't win this by the might of your army. You didn't win this by your strategic uh, planning. You didn't win this by your own power. God fought this battle. And then he hits them with the choice. Joshua chapter 24, verse 14 through 15. Now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve Him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it's evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your father served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Joshua hits him with a choice. He says, you can follow the gods of your fathers. You can follow the traditions of your past. You can follow the things that everybody else has always followed. I've sat and talked with people um, uh, who are angry about this and that. I'm a church Christ people, preacher. People being mad at me is part of my job. Um, but people are mad about this or that, and they, you can show them in Scripture I can show them in Scripture where the Bible says this, and they will say, well, I, I see that, but I was always taught blank. And that's sad to me, because you're worshiping the gods of your fathers. You're not following what the Scripture says. We're worshiping the gods of our fathers, not the God of the Bible. He also says you can follow and worship the culture around you. Because you also sit and talk with people who want the Bible to say things that it doesn't. Because it makes them fit into the world around them better. And, and the world tells them that they should do this or do that or support this or support that. And they want to take Scripture and make it say that. And it doesn't. And that's frustrating because it, it doesn't fit in with their worldview. And unfortunately, that's worshiping the God of the culture in which you live and not the God of the Bible. Joshua says you can worship the God of your fathers, you can worship the God of the culture, or you can worship Yahweh. Joshua says, I'm not going to choose it for you. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. You know, when we get to the end of our lives, what are our legacies going to be? What are people going to say about us? Are they going to say, man, he was a hard worker. He was at work every day. He never missed a day. Is that what they're going to say? Are they going to say, man, she had the, 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 the cleanest house. She never missed a, a speck. She had the, the trendiest purses. She had uh, 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 the, the, this or that. Are they going to say, man, he pushed his kids in, in sports and, and chased them around so much, and, and, and it was such a, he helped them excel in whatever it was they were doing, or whatever it is that we're chasing today. Because when you sit down and you talk to people and, and you start planning a funeral, I, I've sat and talked with a lot of families, and I've never heard any of those things. You know what you hear? You hear about love. You hear about presence, you hear about service, you hear about help. Choose you this day, Joshua says, 
make no mistake, we're, we're going to serve something. We're going to serve the gods of the past. We're going to serve the gods of the present. We're going to serve the God of the Bible. We, have, we get to choose, but, but we're going to serve something. Choose this day. The good news is I get to choose. Choose you this day. Because here's the kicker. The choices that you and I make today are creating the legacy that we will leave tomorrow. The choices that you and I are making today are creating the legacy that we will leave tomorrow. John Maxwell, who's, who's well known in the business world for his uh, leadership training and his leadership uh, teachings, he says this, If you're successful, it becomes possible for you to leave an inheritance for others. But if you desire to create a legacy, then you need to leave something in others. When you think unselfishly and invest in others, you gain the opportunity to create a legacy that will outlive you. Former President Ronald Reagan once had an aunt who took him to a cobbler, he says, for a pair of new shoes. And he went in and, and he met with the cobbler and they measured his feet and they did all this stuff. And the cobbler says, well, do you want pointed toes or square toes? And he said, I don't know. He said, well, you think about it and let me know. And, and so he says uh, he went away. Several days later, the cobbler saw uh, young Ronnie on the street, and he says, do you, do, did you make a decision? Do you want pointed toes or square toes? And, and, and Reagan says, I, I don't know. And so he went away again. Finally, he sees him one day, and, and the cobbler says, you come by in a couple days, your shoes will be ready. And when he got there, he found a pair of shoes with one pointed toe and one square toe. Reagan says, I learned right then and there, if you don't make your own decisions, somebody else will. Choose you this day. In San Francisco in February of 1955, a young woman named Joanna faced a choice. See, she was, she was pregnant, out of wedlock, she was young, she didn't know where she was going to turn. And so she faced a horrible decision that, that many women in our country face regularly. What am I going to do with this pregnancy? And, and she wrestled with abortion. She wrestled with adoption. She wrestled with raising it herself. She didn't know what she was going to do. And finally, she chose to give birth and, and then to, to take her baby boy and immediately have him taken and be adopted. The most heart-wrenching decision she had ever had to make in her young life. She was given to an accountant named Clara and her machinist husband, Paul, and they were thrilled to bring this baby into their home. They worked very hard to give this baby all the love that they had to give. But Joanna made it possible by making that difficult choice. I tell you that choice this morning because if you, if you have one of these, if you have an iPhone, hold that up. Hold it up. Go ahead. The people at home, you don't have to do this. That's the legacy of Joanna's choice because Paul and Clara Jobs gave Steve all the love that they had to give. But because of Joanna's choice, Steve would go on and change the world. Choose you this day. The choices that we make today are creating the legacy that we will live tomorrow. And the choice we have is what house am I building? 
What legacy am I creating? What am I teaching my children is important? What am I sharing with those around me? What legacy am I creating? What house am I building? This morning, we're given a choice. And if you're not a Christian, Paul's going to say in Romans 8 that, that you have the opportunity to be adopted into the family of God. You have an opportunity to choose to be a child of God, a co-heir, he says, with Christ Jesus. That's a big deal. Choose you this day because you get the choice. C.S. Lewis says when the author walks onto the stage, the play's over. God's going to invade, but what's, what's the good of saying you're on his side then? When you see the whole natural universe melting away like a dream and something else come crashing in, when God comes without disguise, being something so overwhelming that it will strike either irresistible love or irresistible horror into every creature, it will be too late to choose a side. That will not be the time for choosing. It will be the time when we discover which side we really have chosen, whether we realized it before or not. Now, today, this moment, is our chance to choose the right side. Choose you this day. That's the legacy. Our legacy is not created when an obituary is written. Our legacy is not created at our funeral. Our legacy is created one choice at a time. Every day. As we choose. Joshua says you can choose to follow the traditions of the past. You can choose to do it the way we've always done it. You can choose to follow the whims of the culture. You can choose to do what everybody else is doing. But as for my house, we're going to serve the Lord. You get to choose. What will you choose?